But God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen and amen. It's such a good thing when God speaks to you, and then you have the grace to obey. It's an eternal blessing from God. Amen? Such a great blessing. This morning, I want to continue with my message titled, Supernatural Provision. And since we started this message, God's been, that's what God does with me. And I'm so glad. He confirms the word with signs following. I go into something that I believe this is coming from God, and God does it. From the very beginning, I shared with you how God's blessed this family so greatly. And last Sunday, I heard of another blessing, totally unexpected. Somebody received $25,000. Totally unexpected. Just came in the mail. Let's put our hands together. That's God. That's transfer. $25,000. I told, in my mind, I said, can I show, can I give my address as well? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and another person told me, $8,000 unexpected, God gave that. So, God's giving, uh, blessing God's people right now. Um, I'm sure they were expecting, this particular individual probably expecting something, but this much. That's how God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. I want God to bless our church members. God says in his word to seek him first. Seek him first. Above everything. But God also knows a good part of our lives is around money. Don't lie to yourself. We all need money, okay? We should be truthful to God. You can't do anything without money. You need it. God knows that you need it. And so the Bible doesn't shy away from talking about money. Because this is part of our life. If it concerns you, God has it in his book. To instruct you how to have more so that you can serve him well. So don't shy away from it. It's in the book. Don't ignore what God has spoken of. God, because he knows this is a major part of our life, every one of us, if you are born into this world, you use money. Why won't God talk to us about it? When it's so needed, how to use it? He tells you, the love of money is the root of all evil. He's not saying not to have money. He's saying if you love it too much, you cause yourself a lot of trouble. But he wants you to have it to do good and help people. He wants you to be able to help somebody. The scripture also says to give to the poor. That says you are not the poor. Hello? A poor doesn't give to the poor, right? Give to the poor. He wants you to have to give to the poor. So God has in his word for us. And we need to know what God says so that we can have faith in what God says.
so that he can bring it to work. God will never give you anything that you don't want. God won't do it. If you don't want God in your life, he won't even bother with you. You can, he will allow you for 60 years to be saying God doesn't exist. He's just watching you. If that's what you want in your life, God doesn't exist. You're on your own, son. He'll let you be. But if you say you want him, then he comes and shows himself big in your life. He allows you. But God wants you to know that this is important to him because you have to give back to him and then you have to deal in the world. Give what is Caesar to Caesar, right? And what is God to God. So you have to deal with the world. And in the world they use money. If you don't have it, you're going to be a lot in trouble. So give that to Caesar. And then you got to do with God as well. He's very important. He's spiritual as well. And we need to teach about this. I have said God has what, is, what we call, I call a supernatural transfer of wealth from the world to his children because of the work of the kingdom. A lot of people won't believe that, well, I, don't, I shouldn't be rich because if I, if I get rich, that's going to send me away from the kingdom of God. But when Jesus dealt with Peter, John, James, and John, and the rest of them, and Jesus said it's, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God... Guess how they responded? <laughs> Who then can be saved? They said. You know why? Because they were rich. They were very concerned. Who then can be saved? If, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God. We are excluded, Peter said. And Peter cornered Jesus. Now, now, you know, we've left everything to follow you, you know. We left all those riches. We were following you. We need to be sure we're going to be a part of this. It's the word of God. God wants you to have for the kingdom's sake. And we need to be open. The message is to get you to be willing. So that God can put it through you. Because God will not put it through you until you are willing. How? That's not your business. Just be willing the, for the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. All your job is to be willing and to be obedient. That's all. And God says you will eat of the good of the land. Why? Because there is good in the land. Some people find it and some don't find it very much. But we need to find it. Amen? Let God instruct us. To find it. We need six things, I said last Sunday, to help us to position ourselves for the transfer. Just six things we need for the, to position ourselves for the transfer from the world into our lives. Because God says a, well, a, well, a, a good man stores up riches for his children's children. But the Lord will take the riches, the wealth of the wicked, and store it up. For the righteous. So is he storing up for us to say, Oh, nice. Look at that. He's getting bigger. He's taking it from them. And we need part of it. I'm thinking, store it up so I can get some of it to use. Amen. For the kingdom of God and for myself. So we got six things. First, we need knowledge. We need to know what God says about this. 
so we are not deceived. We have people telling us all kinds of things before we became Christians. They're telling us, oh, well, this and uh, Christians, don't not, they ought not to have that. They ought not to have good houses. He, he's a pastor and he has that big house. A pastor? Did you just say that's the pastor's house? Yeah, they expect the pastors to be poor. Hello? They get mad if pastor has something. Where did you find that in the Bible, right? Is it there? Oh, pastor, the pastor drove a Mercedes Benz. What? Did you say he's a pastor? He should be driving a Pinto. Okay. <laughs> That's ungodly. But you agree if you serve God, God blesses you, right? So how is he going to bless you? It's, ooh, blessed, blessed. But nothing? Nothing to show? Is that blessed? That's not the way it is. When God blesses you, everybody can see it, right? But you don't want it for the pastor, right? These are some of the lies that the enemy tells. So we need knowledge. We need to know particularly what God says about this matter. So we're not deceived. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to know what the scripture says. Secondly, we need to believe what the Bible says. When we discover what God says, we don't doubt. We, we believe what it says. And as we believe, that will keep, get us to a place where we are willing Okay, God, I'm willing to accept it. I don't understand it, but yes, the part that I understand is good enough. Whatever it is, let me have it. Because until you are willing, God will not do it for you. You have no faith. You know the scripture, but you have no faith. So if you don't have faith, you can be willing. But once you are willing, then God begins to prepare the way for you. So we need willingness. And then we need obedience of faith. Because the knowledge of the word will show you what you need to do. And that's the hard part. <laughs> Obedience of faith. Because it doesn't make sense to do what God's telling you to do. Sometimes. You remember Jesus was walking on water? And Peter says, wow, that's a good thing. He's a fisherman. He knows nobody walks on water. He's been fishing. That's where fish swim and all of that. But he saw Jesus. He got excited. And he said, Lord, Lord, can I come and walk in the water? And Jesus said, okay, come. As simple as that. Come. As simple as that. And the man stepped out of the boat. Just at Jesus' word, obedience of faith. That's what we're talking about. Does it make sense? But he believed. Jesus had said, come, I can do it. He stepped out of the boat and walked for a while. But I kept asking people, if Peter had said, oh, yeah, he said, come. But let me check the water, see if he's going to hold my weight. You know what it is? You know he's not going to come out of that boat, right? He'll get right back in and never walk on water. And that's what we do most of the time. What God's telling us to do, he's giving us a principle, giving us the word, and he tells us to do something that doesn't make sense to us. How can I give and have more back? When is he going to come back? Who is going to give it back to me? And then we try to make all these calculations in our head. And, uh, no, 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 no. I don't think I'll do that. You know what you've just done? You tested the water to see if you hold your weight. And you lost your miracle. 
So we need to have obedience of faith. We are coming to that. Based on what the word says. And then the next thing is we need to think and speak only what we have learned and believed. Only. No other thing. No matter how the pressure is from, from everyone around you. Speak and think only what you know from the word. Even if it contradicts what's happening in your life, stay with it. Because God watches over his word to perform it. As you stay with that word and refuse to let, God sees it and your, the day of, your man, of his manifestation in your life will suddenly appear. And it becomes a good thing in the sight of people. It is called the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our sight. It's just God's doing. So we need that. And then you have to know the value of timing. Timing. Because your time and God's time, they're different. Most people quit before they get to their place. They're right at the edge and then they, they get discouraged. And the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due time, at the appointed time, you will reap if you don't faint. In other words, if you don't give up. So we need to know the value of timing. And these are different messages. I'm going to go through one, every one of them. Say, so stay with me, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a while. But today, I want to go into the knowledge part of it. The first knowledge that you need to have, that I need to have concerning this thing, is the reason why we don't have. The reason why we struggle. <coughs> Many times people work hard, real hard. They sweat. They're working very hard. They have nothing to show for it. Some even work several jobs. Good. And they struggle. They have nothing to show for it. So I said last Sunday, sweat does not always equal wealth. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build, they build in vain. God is not a respecter of persons. Everyone who believes in Him is just a question of timing. If you would do His will, in due time, He's going to show the world what happens to a person who listens to him? They may not see it initially, but when they begin to see it, and you tell them it's God, they have no doubt. They know it's God. And God himself gets the glory. So don't be weary in well-doing, because you will reap. First thing you need to know is the world is cursed because of sin. Even those who have money, because doing well in life and being successful is not all about money. If you have a million dollars and two million, maybe five billion dollars, and you are not able to eat, you're not doing well. That's not right. I know of a woman, and many of you know, I've said this here before, I follow these things real carefully, I read news. But you know the woman who was uh, fi financing John Edwards' uh, campaign? 
she was a multimillionaire. They all know, all the politicians know they can get something from her. She had a big mansion. But guess where she lived? The hospital. That was up. She was constantly at the If you want to see her, go to visit with her in the hospital. Money is not everything. But God can give you money and give you the power to enjoy it. That's blessing from the Lord. And he can give you in abundance as well. And the reason for that is the curse. The curse is the problem. So, the Bible tells us, first thing we need to know in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. Say it with me. He became a curse for us, for me. He became a curse. So Jesus was actually taking the brunt of all the curse. He redeemed us. In other words, he released us. He liberated us. He rescued us. Saved us. Separated us from that curse. So we don't have that curse anymore upon our lives. The curse is what causes you to hurt. The curse it's what causes you to be in pain, to be sick. And I said to somebody this morning, sickness is evil. Sickness not, will not only get a hold of the person who is sick, he gets a hold of everybody in the family. Everybody's concerned. Sometimes you can't even go to work because you have a loved one that's sick. You have to spend money for their treatment, and instead of getting money so you have more, you can't even do that. That thing is evil. It belongs to the curse. But Christ has liberated us from that. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on the tree on the cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. How is the blessing going to get to you? In Christ Jesus. In other words, you need to be in Christ. And when you are in Christ Jesus, the same blessing that was on Abraham, you are, the, those blessings are attracted to you because they seek Abraham. When you are in Christ Jesus, the, the curse recognizes, uh, I can't go there. Because the enforcer of the law, of, I mean of the curse, the enforcer of the curse has been paralyzed. That's Satan. Satan was the one that enforced the, the curse upon our lives. To steal from you is the thief, the Bible says. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants you to have nothing. He wants you to be frustrated. He wants you to be in pain. He wants you to be hungry. He doesn't want anything for your life. He is the enforcer of the law, of the curse. That came through sin. But Jesus has redeemed us from us. And he cannot enforce it in your life anymore. But if you don't know it, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So he oppresses you with sickness. He oppresses you with confusion. He tells you you can never make it. You're not like the others. You were born without that kind of brain to do anything. God doesn't need your brain to bless you. That's the truth. 
He doesn't need that. He is God. He sends one person who likes you and is all over for poverty. Amen. My wife was telling me Bill Gates, he left, uh, I, don't, I didn't see it, but my wife told me. He had a friend that he, liked, he loved so much, and Bill Gates would always say, come, he sent his plane to go and pick him up. He got tired of that. He bought the guy a plane, bought, get, paid for the, uh, what do you call it, the pilot for the lifetime, paid for his, his salary, and paid for gas for the life. Because I just like that guy. <laughs> May God put you in that kind of position in Jesus' name. Take him from the world and blessing his child. God can do it. Somebody testified to me. They walked into a place. That's somebody coming to our church newly now. That's another miracle. He walked into a place. We had prayed. I want to thank Doug. Bless you, brother. That's somebody that came through Doug. And we, we sat in my office of very tough situation. Walked into a place, favor. <laughs> Walked into a place and this guy said, you have, you're employing, this guy has actually turned his business over to him. The guy was in, in a breakfast fellowship on, on, uh, yesterday. He told me, Pastor, I had to leave early because the business. He said, we're going to triple that business. The, guy, the owner of the business is not even bothering with his business. He's turned it over to uh, our church member. Amen. <laughs> That's favor. I can't, I can't wait to see what God does with that man. He was in my office broken with his son. And God, in a short time, I don't know, it's just a few months, dog, right? And God turned everything around. Because he heard the word of faith. He was, his wife was saying, Where's, how is this going to happen? He told her, you see, before it happened. And God's done it already. Amen. I preached myself happy. <laughs> wow. God's already done it. That's the good God we're talking about. He is the good God. Forget what you're going through. God can take care of you. Trust in Him. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Do what He tells you to do. And watch what God will do. He take care of you. He take care of your family. No matter what's healing your life, one swap from the hand of God, and you wake up smiling, never to go back to the wilderness. Amen. God's able to do this. He said that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, so that when you are in Christ, you are no longer a foreigner to God. Every Jew, they, every Jew knows he's blessed. They know it. God's doing some unusual thing with the Jews. That small nation. So much blessing. Turning the desert into a lush land. I mean, it's an amazing thing what God's doing with Israel. A small nation with nuclear weapons and everything. And, and they have all these enemies. <laughs> it's like, prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you see that in real life? All these enemies all around them. And then they are enjoying all this plenty. And it's an amazing thing. We see that. And that's what the Bible is referring to. The blessing of Abraham. A Jew, they believe, Jews believe they are not supposed to be poor. <laughs> no Jews should be poor. That's the way they believe it. But in Christ, the Bible says, If you are Abraham's seed, then... 
It says, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And an heir also to the promise of Abraham. This blessing of Abraham. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon us in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And I said last time, the Spirit is the one that makes everything to come into our natural world. When God blesses you, He blesses you in the spirit realm. Nobody can see it. Read uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. He says God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. They are in heavenly places. But guess who make them come to the natural world? The spirit. The Holy Spirit. He was there in the beginning when God created the world. He says there was confusion in the world. It was dark and void. But then the Spirit of God was moving in the face of the deep. And then God said, once God says it, the Spirit says, wow! And then you can see it. You can see it. The sun, let there be light. And the Spirit says, light! He puts it out. So, when you read the scripture, he's not just talking about being a part of the blessing of Abraham, but he also gave you the Spirit that brings everything from the spirit realm and manifests it in our natural realm, if you will believe. Amen. I preached myself happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. So God has done that for us. My time is really gone. <laughs> We're having too much fun. This is amazing. <laughs> But I want you to know, there is no need to preach the gospel for a God that doesn't do anything in anybody's life. What's the meaning of that? Why go to God and church? We're not in a social gathering. This is God that can do something for me. Amen. If there is God, let him do something that I can see. I remember, oh gosh, I don't know about time. I remember... Forgive me. <laughs> I remember telling my Sunday school class in Georgia. I said to them, because the Bible says, Blessed shall be the fruit of the womb. And uh, I told my Sunday school class, I said, Who is the object of this blessing? Is it the mother or the child? Blessed shall be the fruit of the womb. And they agreed with me. The child. So I said, It's a blessed child, child right? They said, Yes, so the child is blessed. I said, yes. Now, I said, if God blesses you with a child and the eyes don't work and the liver don't work, can you take that child to your Muslim friends and say, ah, Muslim friend, God's blessed me so much. He blessed me with this blind child. The Muslim friend would say, well, uh, this your God that you're talking about, tell him to stay with you. Don't bring him near me because I don't want him blessing me with a child that's blind. That's no blessing, right? So when God says, blessed shall be the fruit of the womb, that means when that child comes out of your womb, that child has a blessing upon his life. No sickness, no disease, no pain, no death, nothing until the blessings rest upon them. That's the word. And then Toju was born. You know the story. And they were telling me, that his liver doesn't work or whatever they were saying. He, 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 he'll be mentally retarded all his life. And I told myself, that's not what the Bible says. 
He says the child is going to be blessed. And all the doctors were showing me all the scan and all of that. Angel and I, the scan, how he's, not, he's going to be mentally retarded. They called from Austin. I said, well, that's not what the Bible says. He says the child is going to be blessed. I told you he's going into rice. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. They called from Austin. He's going to be mentally retarded. Yes. I want to take the boy to the doctor who said he was going to be meant. Hey, see that boy? He's in rice now, okay? You said he was going to be mental. You've said it, but you forgot about him. He's bigger. He's bigger. There's nothing God cannot do. Let me close with this. I can't get too excited. Thank you, brother. I really like you. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'll close with this. Please let this thing sink in you. Don't get religious with God, okay? He created religion, okay? Just follow what he says. And listen carefully. He tells us what Jesus has done for us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His power to save, to deliver, to redeem, to separate you from everything that's evil or deadly. You know, you should know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was what? Rich. He became what? For? For your sake. It was for my sake. The heavens know. The angels know. The demons know it. Everyone in the spirit realm, they know it. God the Father knows it. That Jesus became poor. And if you read it in context, every time theologians say, you got to read this stuff in context. Don't just interpret. Well, if you read it in context, he was talking about money. The whole chapter was talking about money and giving. And Paul said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for my sake, say it with me, for my sake, for my sake he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become poor, right? No, rich, read, read. This is America, we can read, read. Oh, yeah. We can read, right? He says rich. Don't tell me what's the definition of rich. Rich means rich. It's Bible. That's not my word. That's what God said. You have trouble with him? You want to ask him what he meant by it? Go ask him. He'll tell you. Rich. Can you understand it? Rich means rich. Don't go defining it. That's the trouble we have. And the next question, how is he going to do that? Well, he's God. All he's asking from us is to be willing and obedient. And you eat of the good of the land. Bow your heads with me this morning. Say with me, God's with me. If God's with me, who can be against me? Change your mind. That's what we need to do. We need to change our minds. 
and let God do his work in our lives. Amen. God will do it. All heads bowed this morning. If you're here and you haven't become united with Christ, the Lord, God is asking you to come back home today. Come back to your Lord and Master, the one who created you. You've been away from him too long. He's asking you to come home. He misses you in the family. He's been watching all this time. He wants you to come back home. All you need to do this morning, at the count of uh, three, (coughs) please raise your hand up and say, God, I'm coming back home. Before these witnesses, do that. And it will be recorded in heaven as a memorial that today you decided to come back home. Just like the prodigal son, I'm going back to my father. I don't want to go on my own anymore. I need God in my life. I need God in my life. I need God in my life. At the count of three, be sincere with God. If you really mean it with your heart, forget about everybody else. If you really mean it in your heart, God will see that hand. And from this very hour, God says he will make his dwelling with you and your family. And begin to change things around for you for good. You can make that decision today. In fact, you will make that decision today because God needs you in his family. And I'm just his mouthpiece to to invite you to come home. And that's what we're doing this morning. At the count of three, would you put your hand up and we will pray to our Father and you will hear us and you will be back home in your Father's arms. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank God for you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank God for you. Today there is a great joy in the kingdom of God in heaven. The angels, according to the Lord Jesus, who cannot lie, the angels are rejoicing right now as those hands went up. And today you put a smile on the Father's face. And the angels can see that smile on the Father's face. And they are rejoicing because you made the decision to come home to your heavenly Father who created you and gave you an assignment on the earth. You will do well. Can I hear amen? You will be successful. Can I hear an amen? You will be healed and strong in Christ. Let's all pray this, especially those that raise their hands. Please pray with me this morning. God will hear you. In fact, he said, before you open your mouth, I've already heard. So talk to him today and seal that decision in heaven. In Jesus' name, pray with me. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming into my world to die on the cross. For me, it was for my sins that you died. Lord God, today, according to the scriptures, I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you in this present world until I see you face to face. Thank you, Lord, 
for hearing my prayer this very hour. In Jesus' name, amen.